so you know, at least in broad strokes, uh, mine and Kelsey's relationship with stray animals. Gosh, yes. So, so different from my own. Yes. And so we had um, a bird's nest okay. in our apartment um, with the three baby birds in it. Okay. Um, I think I saw this on Instagram. Yes, yes. I posted a story about it a couple weeks ago. Um, baby cardinals, very weird looking and cute. And then it came home one day and two of them were just gone. And so I, and we had named them. Kelsey suggested Huey, Dewey, and Louie. I suggested Huey, Dewey, and Louis. Um, sure. Um, and so we came with this narrative that Huey murdered his two brothers. Right. Somebody did. Right. Um, but then a couple hours later, Huey was also gone. And so I think they were just fledging and okay. it was fine. And then I Googled it and they only spend like seven days in the nest yeah. after they hatch. I'm like, oh, it's been seven days. They were just fledging. They're yeah, fine. Bye. Anyway, so they haven't been back. Okay. I don't know where they are. I hope they're out there and alive. We also feed all these stray cats. Why? Because we love them. <laughs> um, so there's pretty girl in the next apartment building um, who is somebody's cat and she has a collar. She has a name, but we don't know what it is, so we didn't want to give her a name, so we just called her Pretty Girl. Okay. But then there's a stray cat that she hangs out with that has, like, a notched ear, so that means that she's been fixed and just released back into her environment. Okay. Um, and we call her Pretty Girl's friend. Okay. PGF for short. Uh-huh. They look kind of similar. But then recently, we saw this black and white tuxedo cat by the um, apartment dumpster who had the five kittens. And we couldn't catch the kittens because they live deep in the woods. But, you know, this was a couple weeks ago. But then their mom, whom we call Joanna, um, because she has five kids like Joanna Gaines. <laughs> That's why. Um, she walked all the way across the complex and found our apartment. Okay. Because y'all aren't near the dumpster. We're nowhere near the dumpster. Yeah. Um, and has been coming for food. And so since that happened, I contacted an organization called It's Me Hour Never. <laughs> oh my gosh. That traps, neuters, and releases okay. um, stray cats. So exactly like what happened with Pretty Girl's Friend. Um, and so last night, I met with a woman from this organization um, to set up a trap. Called It's Me Hour Never. Called It's Me Hour Never. <laughs> I, don't, I don't have words. I love them. They do amazing work. <laughs> Well, it's a great name. Um, yeah, to set up a trap for Joanna okay, so, so that, that we could, could get her and and neuter her and release her back into her yes into her environment because I, I will be feeding her. I was her. about to say her environment, which is your porch area. Uh-huh. <laughs> exactly. Um, and for the first time in weeks, she would not come to the food and was nowhere around and we could not find her. And so the woman's name was Beth. Beth and I sat there for like two hours waiting for this cat. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Between six and eight o'clock. <laughs> Thanks for coming, Beth. <laughs> Thanks for coming, Beth. And she was like, I'm going to go and check on the other traps that I have set around in different places for and the, I'll come for back. For the real cats? Yeah. Can you uh, come and wait for this one? And I did. Did and Joanna she never, ever she never show? And so Beth and I are rescheduling for next week. We will uh, try again. And that's how invested I am in the stray animals in my community. Very invested. I am. Look, <coughs> It's Me Hour Never does this great thing so that we stop feral cats from just breeding. Right, which I appreciate. Um, 
And they also give them rabies vaccinations. Okay. Um, but they understand that, like, these are not cats that are going to be rehomed. Right. These are not cats that are going to be socialized and brought into people's houses. And so, what's the next best thing? That's great. Sterilize them. <laughs> <laughs> cut, out, cut out their uterus. Oh, God. And so, what I'm trying to do also is find um, Joanna's baby daddy. Yeah. Where um, is he? He's also hanging out in the woods. And I've seen him... I don't want to say what I've seen him do Gosh, to Joanna. You are very involved. And, and PGF, yeah. You, you need to go back to work. It gives me purpose. <laughs> I felt so good yesterday doing this to the point that I kind of want to volunteer for It's Me Hour Never. You should. Do they have t-shirts? Yeah. Okay, yeah. She showed should. up in one and it was great. <laughs> yeah, you should. You need the shirt. I'm going to do it. episode 234 of From the Front Porch, a collection of conversations on books, small business, and life in the South. My name is Chris Jensen, and we made it to the end of the month. And I'm Annie Jones, owner of The Bookshelf, an independent bookstore in beautiful downtown Thomasville, Georgia. July was... July. I... I have no words for July. July, 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 July. It's never seemed so strange. We we had a week last week, I guess, as of the... I guess when this goes public... Are we two weeks ago? Whatever. Uh, no. Oh, is this going... What is today? Today's Friday. Oh, we're recording on a Friday. Right. Yeah, we're outside of our normal schedule. <laughs> Very this is re- confused. This is releasing in six days. Very confused. Okay. Well, whatever. Seven days. There was a week here in July mm-hmm. that felt like the devil himself mm-hmm. created it for me. Well, the devil went down to Georgia. <laughs> yeah, he came here. And... Uh, you know, it, but it wasn't the devil because it was all good things, but it was like too many good things in mm, one mm-hmm. week. So we had, I don't think we've talked about this yet. We had an awesome response to our Amazon Prime Day good. stuff at the bookshelf. Um, meaning we processed in the span of a week. They came in two days. We finished them all within seven days. I felt like that was really That's good. That's pretty good, yeah. Uh, 130 online orders. That's insane. <laughs> That's insane. I saw the picture of the boxes. <laughs> Uh, okay, so, th- but, you know, seven days later and three postal pickups, uh-huh. all of them are gone. <laughs> um, but that 130 orders happened the exact same two days we had these crescendo book events oh, right. for Alan Chaney, who, Those we inter- were huge. who I interviewed. Yes. They were bonkers. I do want to talk to you about one of them, but I don't know if now is the time. Sure. Is now the time? Probably not. Okay. We'll save it for the intro, cold open for next week. Yeah. Because, yeah, one of those events I want to talk about. But anyway, so we had, we sold 500 books or something. It was, and look, guys, the bookshelf is, I know perhaps you have in your head what the bookshelf looks like or functions as. It's not a big store. It's not a big store. It's not a big staff. Mm -mm. Like, like, there there are five of us. Yeah, five. five and... And, and I'm not really here. I was here. about to say, and Chris and Elon aren't really here. Right. <laughs> so, it's really three. So, yeah. So it's really three plus Nancy plus when Nancy, she comes in yep. and saves the day. Mm-hmm. So anyway, um, that was happening at the same time as Amazon Prime. And then two days later was Reader Retreat. Right. So it which was, was also just, enormous. Which was, and it was so good. And so great. Yeah, that's I why love this I one. should take back. It wasn't the devil. It was because God. <laughs> 
because well, God makes us do hard things. <laughs> it was so good, but it was also by the end of the week. Even infinitely patient Jordan Jones was a little bit like, I don't know if we can do that again. <laughs> <laughs> and when Jordan Jones yeah. is saying that, yeah, <laughs> yeah, you know it's a problem. So that's going to explain why this reading recap is. is it- Perhaps a little bit shorter than normal. You guys, I read... I, I, hold on, l- let me say this. Okay. Annie and I read the same amount of books this month. <laughs> <laughs> Which is unprecedented. Unprecedented. <laughs> uh, I don't know what... I, you know, I, I have an idea of what happened. Um, do you ever... And I don't know, because your reading life looks different from mine. But do you ever... Feel like a plastic bag. Do you ever real <laughs> like you're reading something and it really you like it, but it's preventing you from reading other things? Yes, I yes, that's how I feel about every book I've ever read. Okay, yes, because I think your reading life kind of looks like that a little more than mine does. Mine is more binge, 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 binge. Right, like I'm on this great reading spree, and then it's like every so often I hit one or two books. Mm-hmm. That I like, but they take me some time. Yes. And then I look at my watch and realize, oh dear, like yeah. <laughs> I have spent my entire month mm-hmm. reading this one book. Yep. That's what happened this month. That was me with A Game of Thrones last month. Okay. Which, to be fair, is nine, say, 900 pages long. That seems better than what I'm about to present to the group. Um, but yes. Okay. Well. L- let's, uh, let's do, let's, let's alternate. Okay. We never get to do this. <laughs> Um, this will be good. And you've read one of mine, so we can talk about it. Oh, yay. So you start. Okay. I started my month with a book I started in June mm-hmm. called Ordinary People. Right. And I think we mentioned this last month. But probably. You hadn't, hadn't, hadn't finished started, it. Or, or yeah, hadn't, hadn't finished it. Yeah. I started it in London because I picked it up because, as I mentioned, I like to buy books from bookstores that take place where I am. Exactly. So I bought this book set in London uh, by Diana Evans. It was a finalist. I think it was shortlisted for the Women's Fiction Prize. Um, when I bought it, the bookseller at this bookstore was like, oh, great choice, which is always validating mm-hmm. because um, just a, like, a little hot tip, booksellers don't always say that. No. We only say it when we mean it. I only say it when I mean it. So I was pretty pumped. Read the first half or so in London mm-hmm. and liked it. Mm-hmm. Very much, it takes place right after Obama is elected, but it's over in England. So it's okay. kind of fun to see how the global totally community yeah, reacted yeah. to that election. And it is about the black experience, I think middle class black experience in England. Yeah, that's fascinating. So, okay, very interesting. And another thing I really did love about this book is <clears throat> Diana Evans, the book title comes from a John Legend song. Okay. So the entire book weaves in a lot of John Legend, Michael Jackson, like in, like musical uh-huh. interests, and the and the book is <laughs> bookended by Obama's election and Michael Jackson's death, and the responses mm-hmm. of this of these black couples in London and how they kind of respond and react to these cultural events. Sure. Okay. I love everything I just said about this book. Yeah. Then I came home. However, yeah. Then I came home and read the last half. And it took me, this is one of the books that kind of took me forever to read. Uh-huh. And it's one of the reasons I only read two books this month. Um, it was, it just felt like it got kind of slow. But I can't decide if it was always slow. Because I have said this before about yeah. English Lit. 
British lit. Yeah. That it feels like it's written at a slower pace. Mm-hmm. And I can't tell if I enjoyed that while I was there. Uh-huh. And then, then came you got home back into to my American frenzied rhythm. American yeah. rhythm and no longer was interested in the slow storytelling Evans was doing. Interesting. So I can't decide. Um, now, also this book does take a turn. So it's kind of about these two couples and they're almost uncoupling, uh, which also is a hard subject for me. Sure. I am not drawn to books about, I have read them before, like I read A Separation. Books about couples uncoupling are sad to me. Yeah. And they're, I think they're supposed, they're supposed to, be. to be. Yeah. <laughs> I think they're supposed to be. But they're also not something I'm drawn to read. Yes. Yeah. They're deeply sad to me. Um, especially if I like the people in them, I'm kind of rooting for them. Right. I want what's best for them. Right. Which might be uncoupling. Right. I just struggle with it. So anyway, so I think that was part of it. But also, there's a character in the book who starts to think her house is like causing her to be ill. And there is a point in the last, like, back half of the book where I thought, wait, are we doing, like, a... Yellow wallpaper, Haunting of Hill House. Yes. Like, are we doing a Shirley Jackson thing here? Where is this coming from? And I still don't know. Mm. I go- And look, I finished this book and Googled about it. Because I was like, is someone else talking about mm-hmm. this? Because we have not... I discovered we in America are still selling, selling the hardback version of this. Right. I bought a paperback right, over in right. Great Britain. So I, so I haven't heard a lot of people talking about it. And I was like, I just need to talk to somebody about this because like she, her daughter like has this skin malady that is happening. And, and so like, like it could be, it, it, I, I love books that do this. Yes. that don't answer that question. And they leave you wondering like, is this real yes. objective or is this, really good metaphor. Yes. And you as the reader are not sure, I wasn't sure. what to pick. I love that. I like that too, but I wanted I wanted, wanted to, to discuss know. it. Right. I wanted to discuss, you want to discuss it. And that's more important than knowing. Yeah, I wanted to talk about it. That's really interesting. Anyway, now I want to read just that part yeah, so we can talk about I, it. <laughs> it, is, it is very interesting. And I I don't even remember what I rated this book because it was hard to rate, as mm-hmm. I recall. Like I felt like, but wait, I liked half of it. Right. Still liked the other half, but am confused. Um, it was a weird reading experience, and, and partly because I read it literally in two different in two different continents, continents. yeah, <laughs> across across the pond. Yeah. Anyway, that's so, really interesting. Very interesting. So, if you're listening to this and you have also read Ordinary People, I did feel validated because Kate read this mm-hmm. and she had the same reading experience, but she also bought it while she was in London. Interesting. And so, yeah. I, so, anyway, I did feel slightly validated by Kate's reading experience. But if you're listening to this and you have read this book, I would love to know what did you think. I, I just, um, I couldn't quite decide. Yeah, so Ordinary People by Diana Evans. That's really interesting. Yeah. Um, so the first one that I read was Family of Origin yeah. by C.J. Hauser. We talked to C.J. last week yes. um, Ooh, we on Pub Day, but also the day that her viral essay was published in the Paris you Review. You guys, if you have not read The Crane, the Crane Wife, Wife, you have got to read it. And here's the thing. You've probably seen this in your feeds. Yes, which is nuts. It's everywhere. And we know her. It's everywhere, and we know her, and we interviewed her last week about yes. her novel, not knowing that this essay was going to take off the way that it was. Yeah. What's funny is I sent Annie uh, an earlier draft of that essay That's so good. last Tuesday morning. I felt so... Um, not knowing that it was yeah. going to be published that day. Yeah. And then it was published and went viral within 24 hours. I felt real... Thank you, because I really felt... A, I really felt... um. 
insidery. Yeah. So thank you. I appreciate I'm glad. <laughs> and so if you have looked at that essay, if you've read that essay and connected with it, I have great news for you. CJ Hauser also has a book. <laughs> That the, we love. The book that she talks about writing in that essay, yeah. the research she's doing, um, is all for Family of Origin. Yeah. And what's great is there are specific scenes in Family of Origin yes. that she talks about very specifically these experiences in the essay that, that yes. informed those. Yes. About like the telescope and the moon, yeah. um, of watching what the ducks do. It's, she's talking about cranes in the essay and ducks in the book, yeah. but it's the same experience. It's so. It was so fun to read the essay after reading Family right. of Origin, but I think it could also be fascinating to read yes. reverse. And I think most people will do the reverse. Yeah. We had, you know, yeah. in- insider info. Yeah. Um, we never have insider info. I know. It's very exciting. It was really fun for us to be on, on the other side of the looking glass. Yeah. But we've talked a lot about Family of Origin. Last week's entire episode was about Family of Origin. Um, but I do, I think there are still some things to say about yeah. it. Um, it's not a book for everyone. No, and we talk about this a little bit because we just came off of reader retreat and I talked about it in our summer reading guide and I love this book and and it is going to be in my top 10 of the year. Yeah. But I also wanted people to know not every book is for every person yep, and that's, and that's okay. okay and that's totally okay. It's not going to be for everyone. It was solidly for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me. And it was very much that Chris and Annie Venn diagram that overlap. That sweet spot, yeah. <laughs> Where we both really like it, really like something. And I feel like the books that fall in that category are all kind of related. Yeah. Um, yeah. But anyway, sure. I, I just, I did want, it's hard as a bookseller to rave. Yeah. Because for me, Family of Origin deserves the rave. Uh, like, I want to rave about it. But I also want to put it in the right hands. Right. Um, because this isn't a book. I think some people will pick this up and be like, what? Be like, what? (laughs) Because I I think we can say this much without giving too much away, but there is some, some disturbing sexual content that only really becomes disturbing for the reason that it's supposed to be disturbing in the back half of the book. Yes. You really have to trust her. You have to really trust CJ and she pulls it off. I, yes. I think with a plum. All the reviews agree with us, yes. by the way. Um, read NPR's review, read um, Kirkus. Yeah. Um, they all have the same yeah. take that we do. Like, I wasn't sure what was happening yeah. and I was really disturbed and then I got past the halfway point and I was disturbed for a different reason that yes. made me profoundly sad, yeah. but in a really good, yes. moving way. Yes. Um, this is a complicated book with complicated themes. Here's what I don't like, not about the book, but about some of the marketing. And it's okay. not Doubleday's fault okay. or CJ's fault, obviously. Um, it's never, guys, it, the it's marketing never, is never the It's never the author's fault. fault. Authors have zero to do with marketing. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I went on Amazon to find cover art and to just look at some stuff and saw that it was ranked like number one in absurdist fiction. And I was like, there is literally nothing, nothing absurdist absurd about, this. about this book unless you are reading it beyond superficially to think that these scientists who believe that evolution is working backwards are right. Right. And they're not. Like, the novel is very clear that these are crackpots. Right. That these are insane people. Yeah. Um, and, they're, and it's their way of coping with the world. That's it's Stephen's their way of coping point. with the world. Exactly. This is something about shared trauma yes shared trauma of the world that we live in and these people just escaping yes um but they're escaping through shared belief in this ridiculous concept See, and this is why i know like i know i can't stop people from buying stuff on amazon i understand like and i'm not gonna try no but i am going to like 
we would never call this absurdist There's fiction. There's nothing because, absurdist about because this. Because we've actually read it. Right. Like, like, that's the other thing. Like, robots didn't read this. Right. Exactly. <laughs> and so it made me think of, like, um, what's um, Aro Kwan? What was her book, The Incendiaries? Yes. And, like, it's about, like, a cult. Yes. Right? More or less. Yes, it is. But it is not... Like, this is what I was, I just recommended at Reader Retreat, The Incendiaries to somebody, but I, I preface it because she was looking for books about cults. Yeah. I'm here for books about cults. We sure. all know this about me. But I, so I told her, I said, look, you might want to try The Incendiaries, but go into it knowing it's not the cult that you're looking for. Exactly. It's not, because it's not, it's, it's not like the, um, the almost like true crime Exactly. It's not like it's that. Not like it's that. not, it's not going clear. No. Um, but it's, but it's really good. And um, so I, I think they're in a similar vein right. in that way. Yeah, you're absolutely um, right. And I, I enjoyed this book so much. I do want to put it into all the right hands and talk to everybody about it. Yeah. But I do just want to say, and we were talking about this off mic before the show, like this book has really interesting and complex themes. Yes. And the sexual content is important as a vehicle to get us to talk about and think about those themes. Yes. I don't want readers to get caught up in just the superficial, yes. um, like, rejection of this content. Yes. Because you're supposed to reject it. Right, it's not It's not it's good. It's not a healthy it's relationship. It's not healthy. <laughs> um, this is a thing that you were supposed to say, that was bad. Yes. And then it's supposed to make you think about all these other ideas that are in the right, book. Right, because she's packing, and we talked to, to her about this. Like, there's a lot more in this book, but I do think some readers are going to get mm-hmm. caught up in this sexual, this complicated, awful sexual relationship, um, which plays a part, but you're exactly right. It's a vehicle. It's a vehicle to get us to get us beyond just the physical, which, which is interesting in in and of itself. Yeah. Um, Sita is a wonderful writer. If you've read her essay, you know that she can spin a sentence. Um, and that's all throughout her book as well. Uh I can't talk highly enough about this book. Yeah. Okay. Um, very much a departure. I read the wedding party. So the wedding party is written by Jasmine Gilroy. So I read this because, mm-hmm. so here's what happened. A couple weeks ago, we, we get emails uh-huh. like, do you want to interview so-and-so? And I try to only interview authors I think our listeners are going to mm-hmm. hear about. And this is one I was like, oh, well, we can talk yeah. about rom-coms. And then I got, it was Monday, I got an email from the publisher like, hey, don't forget about our interview tomorrow. And I was like, yep, right. Absolutely. And I like to try to read the book mm-hmm. before I talk to the person because otherwise... What's the point? Right. So I call, like I called the bookshelf and I was like, can somebody... Because I, I had that book. I just didn't have it at my house. Um, and I wasn't home. So anyway, Nancy dropped it off. I read it in three hours, mm-hmm. I believe. Um, which is, I honestly think, how these books are meant to be yeah. read. So she wrote The Wedding Date, mm-hmm. which I did review on this podcast. Mm-hmm. And I said... It's a little too sexy for me. Mm-hmm. The wedding party is also very sexy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, very sexy. And um, that is not my cup of tea. My friend Lee Kramer did tell me, and maybe I've talked about it on here, uh-huh. that she thinks I prefer closed door exactly. romances. And that is accurate. Um, that is why I love rom-coms because most PG-13 rom-coms dim to black and then refresh and like we never see anything happen right that's the world i like to live in in my in in my literature and on my screen um but i liked the wedding party more than i liked the wedding date 
And I couldn't really tell you why. Hmm. Uh, I really liked the protagonist. Okay. I liked Maddie and Theo. It's different characters, Different right? characters, but she's building... It's almost like the Tan- Tana French situation. Okay. She's building she's on Building characters. shared world. Yes. Yeah. And I do love that. Yeah. I did not read the proposal. That is also in this world. So there's the wedding date, the proposal, and the wedding party. Okay. The wedding date is about one couple. The wedding... Uh, the proposal is about another, and the wedding party is about another. Okay. And I, so I love this world. It's kind of fun. And it's the only way I, as an adult, like to read series. We've talked about this. That makes sense, yeah. I don't, you know, I've not done Outlander. I've Mm -hmm. not done Game of Thrones. I've not, like, I don't really do series. But I do like building on these minor characters. Maddie and Theo are characters who I really wound up loving, particularly because I cared about each of them as individuals, which is the only way I like a rom-com. Yeah, of course. I want to, like, I cared about Maddie's career. I cared about Theo's career. I cared what happened to them. Um, And I found them really lovely together. Um, I liked this book. I read it in three hours. Like, it's meant to me, I could be wrong, because I know authors spend a lot of time putting out their work, and so sometimes they cringe when you say, finish what you spent a year on in (laughs) in three hours. Um, But I think these books are meant to be read by the pool, mm-hmm. at the beach, on a plane, and like to just enjoy it. To ju- enjoy and escape. Right. And as you just heard, my July, I needed a little bit of escaping from. So, right. so, <laughs> so the wedding party fit the bill and probably came to me at just the right time. Um, you do need to know it is PG thirteen veering on R. Um, so if you're like me and you prefer closed door romances, just know that's not what this is. Um, but I liked it. And then we did our, I did our yes. interview on Patreon. And that's so. on Patreon for all lo- subscribers at all levels. Oh, yay. Okay, good. Um, all author interviews are for subscribers at all levels. Huh. Um, shifting gears yet again. Yeah. Hard, hard right here. <laughs> um, I read God by Reza Aslan. Oh, my. <laughs> Which is very different. <laughs> it is. Um, Look how diversely we read. I know. And it's, I don't know what I was expecting. Mm-hmm. It was not what I was expecting. Okay. Um, the last two chapters, I think, are what I was expecting. Did you listen to this? or No, I read, I read it. It's sick, too, man. Uh, no, it's not. It's really little. What am I picturing? Um, what did he write before? Zealot? The maybe historical I'm Jesus book. About, maybe I'm I think that one's bigger. Okay. No, God is only about 150 pages long. Oh, it's little. Funny. Okay. Um, and I I think the full book is like 200 pages, but like 60 of those are foot or endnotes. I see. Right. Um, of course they are. No, I picked up the paperback at the bookshelf okay. a month or two ago, and I was like, I just want to read this. Yeah. Uh, it, it 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 called to me from the shelf, and I was like, I want to read that. That's fun. And so like, what I like about this book is how accessible it is Mm -hmm. coming from reading all of my research all of my like academic prose for the last several years to read something that like was immediately accessible to non-experts yeah reading non like i won't say difficult but reading heady non-fiction not for academics was such a breath of fresh air refreshing yeah um that it is so easy to read Mm -hmm. um his sentences are great sometimes a little convoluted where he clearly wants to, he wants to make sure that you have this like random small bit of information that is important, but then he like packs it into a parentheses, a parenthetical, like when he already has three clauses in the sentence and they're just kind of sprawling. Um, not always great, but this book is essentially a history of religion in the broadest sense, Mm -hmm. um, from our paleolithic ancestors and the earliest imaginings of 
of religion and of devotion and the idea of of belief in something more than humanity. Um, and so it takes that historically and broadly from, you know, cavemen into, because, you know, cavemen's a misnomer. They didn't live in caves, but they worshipped in caves. Mm-hmm. And that's what's really interesting. Interesting. Um, to, like, the earliest religious settlements, um, into, like, early polytheism, the first breaths of monotheism, into, like, the big monotheistic religions, Christianity, Judaism, Islam, um, and where those kind of come from. And if you were raised in a particular tradition and don't know anything at all about the other religious traditions in the world, I think this book is a great place to start. Oh, good. Because it is... A good entry point. It's completely neutral. Mm-hmm. It says up front, like, this book starts from the presupposition that the religious impulse is due to, you know, some kind of chemical reaction in our brains, but that's not to suggest that something wonderful and amazing didn't cause that. Right. Everything is chemical reactions in our brains. Just be, like sadness is a chemical reaction. Doesn't mean that something didn't cause your sadness. Right. Um, and so he's like, doesn't diminish exactly. That at he's all. like, this is where it comes from biologically. That doesn't mean that something greater didn't create that in right. you. Right. Um, and so he's like, I'm not saying anything either way. Like he is. He talks about his own faith journey in the beginning, where he was kind of raised non-religiously, um, found Christianity. Um, as a young man and then found Islam in college okay. um, and is now like kind of a non-religious person who with with sincere belief in a deity uh-huh. that just isn't captured by religion which is interesting to me yeah um, and so he walks you through kind of his journey and then says so here's the whole history of of God yeah <laughs> um, in human terms would I like it I think so it sounds interesting to um, me. it is it's very historical yeah uh, which is what I wasn't expecting okay um the back half of it, I think you would really, really enjoy, okay. where it's talking more about, like, the Abrahamic religions. Yeah. Um, but the first hundred pages are before that. I just think it might be a good primer for me. Kelsey really enjoyed it. Okay. Um, and I didn't think she would because yeah. of, like, how historical it is. Yeah. Um, and it is very, like, and then we have these gods, and then there were these gods, and these gods represented these things to different people, but it's very accessible and short. Well, and I didn't cover a lot of that in school. That mm-hmm. wasn't my... I think sometimes those things miss you Mm -hmm. if you, you know, even in college, like, yeah, yeah, I did the great books, but Mm -hmm. I didn't. And so like, I'm familiar with like Greek mythology. It is the most basic primer. It's not teaching you like, these are the basic teachings of every religion, but it's saying like, this is the basic philosophy, which I think I'd like. I think so too. Interesting. My criticism of the book on the other hand is sometimes it doesn't give nearly enough detail. Okay. Now I have not gone and read the end notes. Okay. The end notes probably do provide all of the detail that I think is missing from the text. Okay. Like I said, it's about 60 pages of end notes. Yeah. But the end notes make it accessible mm-hmm. so that you don't have to read all that stuff if you don't want to. Right. I really you, want to. Yeah. So I'm going to go back and read those because yeah. I think they're going to be what I thought was missing from the book itself. Oh, Interesting. That's so. I kind of like that because yeah. that fits you. Like, exactly. That is helpful for you. He was like, "Let me give this to a wide audience. Yes. And then make it a little academic. Yes. In the back half, where I can support all these claims that I make. Yeah. But without distracting from the book. Right. Okay. Yeah. I like so that super setup. good. Yeah. Quickly, let's talk about these two that you've started but haven't finished. Yeah. So I'm gonna say that I've started these. I will probably. I think I'm gonna finish them in July, but jury's out. So. Right. Um, Fleischman is in trouble is the other book that, along with Ordinary People, has prevented me from reading other things. Sure. Um, Fleischman is in Trouble got rave reviews. 
very much looks to be a novel I would enjoy. Like we're talking super dysfunctional families. When I read the description, very much reminded me of Misfortune of Marion Palm. Mm, okay. uh, so the one where that was the one where the woman embezzled money from her right. school. Almost where'd you go, Bernadette, but the flip side. So Fleischman is in trouble. It's about this 41-year-old man. He and his wife have separated. Mm -hmm. She drops the kids off with him for the weekend or whatever, but she doesn't come back. Right. Okay. But it takes, I think, about 100 pages to get to that plot point, which is in the blurb, which is yeah. in the blurb. And having read the blurb, I thought that was like How it was gonna first start. 25 pages. Okay. So the first, I think, 50 to 100 pages are this 41-year-old man's sexual reawakening right. to being able to date in a new world. And I've read that from the blurb, too. Yes. And like that's kind of my understanding of what the book is, yes. plot-wise. And I, I knew that. Mm -hmm. I didn't know it was going to be 50 to 100 pages of it. Sure. Also, again, talking about what I particularly enjoy as a reader. Um there are descriptions in here that I still don't know what is being talked about <laughs> and I am not going to Google it. And we don't need to, we don't need to learn. <laughs> and I don't, I really don't need to learn. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's also setting me up for who he is right. as a person. Right. And it's helping me know who the narrator is. That has been an interesting plot device, um, that the writer has used as like, it's being narrated by somebody else. So I think I am here for it. But it's been a slow start. Uh -huh. And so I'm just now getting to the part where Fleischman is like, wait, where's my wife? Why, I'm in trouble. Why isn't she back? Um, but I, it has not been maybe the fast-paced book I needed. Uh -huh. So we'll see. Yeah. On the other hand, I also started The Other's Gold. Do you ever read these books? I know you do. Where you feel like, uh-oh. This author wrote this for me. Yes. <laughs> she knows this is for me. Oh, I see. <laughs> um, the Other's Gold is one, and look, I had high expectations because I kind of read the blurb. I know this is dumb, but I liked the cover. Um, That's not dumb. And so, That's the point of the cover. <laughs> so I have had it. It doesn't come out until the end of August. I'd had it on my shelf for what felt like forever. I am doing some reading now, prepping for some shelf subscriptions for fall. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I want to read this because it's campus novel mm -hmm. to some extent. I think it's ultimately going to follow these four uh, women past college, but we very much start in freshman year. I'm in the second part, which is about sophomore year. So I'm interested to see where this goes. Think almost-ish The Secret History, but it's not got that underlying mm -hmm. suspense right. element. Um, I can't even... I, I haven't read enough to describe it, but it's a friendship novel plus set on a campus. Okay. So like yeah. all the things I like. Exactly. Um, and the writing so far is really good. Occasionally I feel like a couple of the sentences I'm like, I gotta read that again. Like so sometimes I can't tell if it's overwritten or I just have to get in the rhythm of her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but really liking it so far, and I will for sure be reporting back. In August. I've just started it and yeah. I think I'm going to finish it before the month's out. That's great because we do still have five days left in July yes. as of as of recording day. Hashtag Time Lords. Hashtag Time Lords. <laughs> um, but here's the thing about a shorter reading recap list. We got to discuss these books in depth. Yes, in that never that I, happens. Instead of Chris timing me. I'm like, you got two looking, minutes, go. Looking at me tapping his wrist and I'm like, oh my gosh, got a minute and a half for yep. each of these. So we got to discuss these in depth, which I which I really enjoyed. Yeah, that was fun. Um, and so... Great. Okay. Cool. Good job, everybody. Follow
the bottom of the barrel again. Started out strong, but now we're coming up thin. Oh, we have cast our lots with all the devils of sin. Oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. From the Front Porch is a production of The Bookshelf, an independent bookstore in Thomasville, Georgia. It's produced by me, Annie Jones, and Chris Jensen, and edited by Chris Jensen. If you're interested in purchasing any of the books we've talked about on today's episode, you can do so at bookshelfthomasville.com forward slash shop. Thank you, as always, to Forlorn Strangers for the use of our theme music. It's called The Bottom of the Barrel from their album, Forlorn Strangers. You can learn more at forlornstrangers.com or find them under their most recent moniker, The Rally Club, on Instagram. If you'd like to support From the Front Porch on Patreon and gain access to exclusive bonus content like Annie's interview with Jasmine Guillory, you can check us out on patreon.com slash fromthefrontporch. You can also find us at our website, fromthefrontporchpodcast.com, for web-only content and a full back catalog of our show with detailed show notes and links to further reading. This week in the bookshelf, a funny thing happened. So we had our reader retreat, and Jordan did a workshop on the Enneagram. That yes. was kind of one of our one of our segments. And a woman... Um, I believe her name is Melissa. If Melissa's listening, hi, Melissa. She came to the bookshelf, like to shop or whatever, and she came up to the register, and she had been pretty enthusiastic in the in the session Jordan was teaching. She came up to me, and she was like, your husband. And I was like, yes, he's great. Like, I did you enjoy the workshop? But she said, oh, yeah, I enjoyed the workshop. Your husband looks like Tom Cruise. And I was like, oh. What's up? <laughs> oh, does he? And she was like, I mean, at least the nose. And I was like, oh, well, yes, then sure. <laughs> but I told Jordan that. And we got the biggest kick out of it. I mean, Maverick. and look, I was like, sure, I'll take that. I mean, I personally don't see it fully, but like, no. I will happily take that. And Jordan, we just have died laughing. And I'm like, I'm basically married to Tom Cruise without Scientology. That's so funny. Because like, Jordan's a handsome man. Yeah. Tom Cruise is a handsome man. Yeah. They don't resemble each other. I don't think so. But she sure did. And I will now I take that so, to my grave. That's so funny. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next week.